highest of heights to the depths of the Notice in verse 10, And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. Every creature is unique in a song that it sings. All exclaiming, indescribable. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus already spoke of the shared glory between God the Father and God the Son. Here he spoke of their shared role in the life of the redeemed, that believers belong to both God the Father and God the Son. Jesus also prayed that he be glorified in them. In a sense, this is what it means to be a believer, to be born again, to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, to have him glorified in us. Jesus doesn't merely want to dwell in or live in the believer, but to be glorified in them. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. The only one who is righteous and perfect is my son, and he paid the price for you on that cross. His blood, the very blood of God, was shed in my place. I deserve to be there. I deserved eternal punishment, but Jesus took that punishment for you and I, and therefore he is accepted, and then we also are accepted if we are in him. And how do you be in him? You simply believe everything that Jesus said he was, said about himself, everything that he said. You, you ask him into your life. You ask him to forgive you of your sins. Have you done that this morning? Have you done that? Have you asked him to forgive you? And keep asking him, Lord, forgive me for my sins. If we are, what does it tell us in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 through 10? If we, if, if we are, um, if we sin... We can ask for forgiveness, and he will be faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But notice, back in our text now, in verse 4, it says, Jesus says, I have glorified you, God, his Father. I've glorified you on the earth, and I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And this is interesting, because Jesus, his heart and mind were already settled that he was going to finish the work of redemption for mankind by being crucified on the cross Remember what he said on the cross. He said, it is finished. To tell us day I in the, in the, in the Greek, and it means the, the, the price has been paid in full. There's no other debt that needs to be paid. I paid that price, Jesus says, and there's no other debt. And that is the greatest thing, folks, all of us must understand and receive into our hearts is to know that our sins have been forgiven. Because without it, we would be hopelessly lost and we would not enter heaven But Jesus paid that price. He said, it is finished. It's finished. And verse 5, he says, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had, 
Notice, with, notice this, it's really interesting. With the glory which I had with you before the world was. So that means that before Genesis 1 verse 1, Jesus was present with the Father. Hey, wait a minute, I thought that he came through the Virgin Mary. Yes, he did, but it's called the pre-incarnate Christ. He always lived before he was incarnate in human form. He always existed with the Father. It tells us that, right? In Genesis chapter 1, what does it tell us? In the beginning, God, the, the Hebrew word is Elohim. It speaks of a plurality. But it's speaking of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He was in the beginning with God. And, and, and all things were made through him. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong verse. In the beginning, God uh, created the heavens and the earth. All three of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, were involved in the creation process. And then in John chapter 1, we see the wonderful verse that we know and love so much. I love this verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So in the beginning, before anything was created, this whoever this word is, and we know that the word is, the Greek is the Logos, it's Jesus Christ. Because it tells us in John's 14th verse in that first chapter that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we know who that is. It's Jesus. But all things were made through him, and without him, what nothing that was made was made. And so he always existed. The glory that I had, Father, with you before the world was. He, was, he always existed. That's a wonderful thought. I love to get carried away with that. And he says, I have manifested. And notice now, Jesus takes a break from praying for himself. And now for the next um, verse uh, 6 down through 19, he's going to be praying specifically for his disciples. He says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. Aren't you glad that, you're, that you belong to him? There's an ownership there, isn't there? I'm so glad to be owned by God. Because I, I was owned by Satan for a long time. He had me, and I was just a puppet. And he had me. But he doesn't have me anymore, and he doesn't have you anymore. You may be struggling, but he doesn't have you anymore. All he can do is tempt you and try to mess up your life. But guess what? You're heaven-bound, Christian. If you're a believer, Satan can't take you anymore. Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the men you have given me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Did they keep it perfectly? No, they didn't, but they did ultimately come around. They were a little slow like you and I, and I like that because I, I qualify. So now you have known, now they have known, verse 7, that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given to me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. We saw this in the very previous chapter, in John chapter 16. You might want to put a, a footnote in verse 8 here, and just put in uh, John 16, 25 through 30, because that's really when the light bulb started to go off with the disciples. It started to go off for them. And you can read that on your own. But basically Jesus, um, well, let me just read it to you. These th and this is John 16, verse 25. And we looked at this last week. But they're finally getting it. It's just taking some time. And maybe you're in that same place of, 
It's going to take some time. You know, the, when, when I first heard the gospel, it took a while for it to kind of sneak up on me. And that's really what I felt like. I, it was like, a, for, for me, it was a, a gradual thing until the moment when God just said, okay, you've heard enough. I've told you, I've had people sharing with you, Rob, for years, and, and, and now there was like the decision time. And that took a moment. That was in an instant. But prior to that, I was being, God was grooming me in a sense. He was trying to woo me to get my interest and show me the truth about who he is and who I was. And boy, there's such a big difference between the two of us. And, and by the way, there's a big difference between you and him too. But he's the intermediary, right? He's the one who saved us. But notice, these things Jesus said in John 16, I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. Because in that day you will ask my name, ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray to the Father for you, because he won't need to, because when we are in his kingdom, in the millennial reign, we will see him face to face. Jesus won't need to be praying for us, because we can ask right then and there. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father, and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world, and go to the Father. And his disciples had a eureka moment. And then they said to him, See, now you are speaking plainly, and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. So his disciples were continuing to understand, and that's a good thing. And that's really what our life is all to be all about, too. You know, when we come to Christ, it takes time. We're growing in our understanding and knowledge of him. And he's okay with that. And some people are further along than we are, and some people are behind us. But you know what? We're all together, and we're in it together. So encourage one another in that, you know? And, and, and don't look at each other and, and be competitive. In the world, there's a lot of competition, but in the kingdom of God, there doesn't need to be that. Because we're all going to be at the same place. And we're all going. Notice in verse 9, I pray for them. He's speaking to his father. I pray for my disciples. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And by reading this statement, you may get the impression that Jesus doesn't, doesn't really love anyone else other than, his, other than his disciples. But that is not the truth. Because we can't take this verse out of context from the rest of the Bible and the rest of the Gospel of John. Because what did it tell us in John 3.16? Yes, he's praying for his disciples and not the world. Yes, but what did he say in John 3.16? For God so loved the world the people in the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish or have, but have everlasting life. So he does. But right now, specifically, he's praying for his disciples. But he loves those in the world too. Otherwise, he wouldn't have died for them. See, everyone has an opportunity to come to Christ and to be saved, but God and his omniscience knows who was going to believe in him. And don't let that stumble you, because if you are concerned about this, receive Christ and stop worrying. Give your heart completely to Him and be saved. Begin to enjoy the life with Him now and have the assurance of salvation, because it is biblical and it's right, because the Lord desires you to have that assurance. 
And there is peace when you do so. And then we just continue to abide in Him. Continue to abide in Him. Notice in verse 10, And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. Keep through your name. That's a great name, isn't it? Because when Jesus prays this prayer, it is a prayer that the Father will hear. And He's going to answer the prayer of the Son. And I find that wonderful because do you have the assurance of salvation? Because you can have that assurance. We need to abide in Christ. And the more we abide, the more, assurance, the more assured we're going to be. But if I call myself a Christian and yet I'm living in a way that looks like the world, the world is going to look at me and go, who are you? And then the devil is going to say, who are you? And then you're going to start to wonder, who am I? And so I need to, I need to get into the game. I need to start listening and I need to start yielding to the Spirit of God and start waking up and listening to Jesus, being obedient to Him. And I can't do it alone and I'm going to fail. But here's the thing, if we do that, he, He's going to take care of us. He's okay with the, with the stumbling walk that we make. Just get going. Don't stay in one place and don't get fatalistic because He wants to give you that assurance of salvation. And that is a beautiful thing to have the assurance that you are going to heaven, even with all of your sin and your mistakes and your flubbing around. He understands and God is working in you. Continue to keep your eyes on him and resist those things and receive that assurance. Because if you do, you're going to have this. You're going to have a big smile on your face. It's going to be all right. <laughs> it's going to be all right. Notice Jesus said in verse 12, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name, and those you have given me I have kept. In these first two sentences, Jesus sounds like the shepherd that we know that he really is. In fact, in John chapter 10, Jesus said this, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. In verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. In John uh, 10, verse 27, my sheep, hear my voice. Are you hearing the voice of your Savior, your shepherd king, Jesus Christ? My sheep, Jesus says, they hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And notice, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. There's the assurance again my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand i and my father are one do you have assurance oh yes because in, in christ there is no one who can snatch you out of his hand i like to see him try there's no one no one big enough no one bad enough there's no power in the universe that can take you out of God's hand if you're in his hand. But the question is, are you in his hand? Are you one of his? 
And he goes on and he says, Those whom you have given me I have kept. Notice, the good shepherd keeps his sheep. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Paul the apostle, by the Spirit, gave this title also to the Antichrist, who will be coming shortly onto the stage, on the world stage. Speaking of the Antichrist, Paul said, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. And so Paul is uh, equating this phrase, son of perdition, with the Antichrist, who is going to be a man, a a politician more, more than likely, who is going to be literally possessed by Satan himself. And don't think that he's going to walk around all ugly and, you know, and, you know, spitting green pea soup and his head spinning around and all that stuff. No, when he's possessed by the devil, he's going to be the swiftest, smoothest operator you've ever seen. He's going to, he's going to walk just rightly. He's going to speak all languages. He's going to look at the woman and the women and they're going to be like, oh my gosh, he's so wonderful. And the guys are going, wow, this guy is so charismatic. He's got all the right words. He can speak. He's got all the right degrees. He went to Yale. He went to Oxford. Oh my goodness, the guy, he looks great. He's dressing great. He just looks like, wow. Everything I don't want to be is in him. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be like what we think. And good news is that we won't be here to see him. But the world is going to fawn over him. And they are going to go after him like a thirsty dog to a pond. They're going to go after him. I like this because when Jesus said this in verse 12, Judas had already left the disciples. He left the group when they were in the upper room to continue his treachery. And so, so much for Calvinism. Calvinism says, well, you know, uh, God is sovereign completely and God knows who's going to come to him and everybody else is damned to hell. They don't have a, a choice in the matter. But let me ask you this. If God was only sovereign and man had no choice in the matter of his salvation and his course of life, then why was Judas Iscariot even chosen to be among the twelve in the first place when God the Father and God the Son knew he would eventually betray Jesus? That's one for the Calvinists to sort out. The Lord knew who Judas was when he chose him, but yet he chose him. And why is that? Because Judas had the same opportunities to believe and to receive Christ like the rest of them, but his own heart, he would not. And he was the only one out of Jesus' fold, out of all those 12, he says, only one is lost, the son of perdition. And it's not because Jesus didn't give him the opportunity. It wasn't somehow written in the books to where Judas had no opportunity. No, Jesus gave him every opportunity up to the very end to receive him. In fact, even in the upper room, you remember, he made him the guest of honor. That's where Judas was seated, right to the left of Jesus in that triclinium. That was the place of the guest of honor. And Jesus made him the guest of honor that night. And that man, out of his own heart, his own decision, he chose to betray Jesus Christ. He had every opportunity, just like Peter and John and the rest of them. But he would not. He would not. But he had every opportunity. And God knew this. And yet, he chose him to begin with. He chose him. Jesus. <laughs> what does it tell us? G- John, uh, Jesus, in John chapter 6, Jesus answered them and he says, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve 
And even in the Old Testament, there were scriptures that prophesied of a man who would come alongside Jesus and betray him. And we know his name now. The Bible didn't tell us his name, but it was certainly Judas. In Psalm 41, David says, Even my own familiar friend whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. And in Acts chapter 1, uh, verse, beginning in verse 15, it says this, And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples, and this was around the day of Pentecost, although the number of the names was about 120, and he said, Men and brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas. Yes, David prophesied, in the Spirit, prophesied of Judas. And Peter says that right here. The scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David, a thousand years before it happened, by the way, concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all of his entrails gush out. That's kind of nice right before lunch, isn't it? And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem, so that the field is now called in their own language, and in their own language, a Kaldama, which is the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, and here it is. Let his dwelling place be desolate, and no one live in it. And so Peter is quoting from Psalm 69, speaking of Judas. And then he goes on and he says, And let another take his office or his bishopric. And that was and that was his his order, his 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 being an apostle. And that was in Psalm 109, verse 8. So Judas was following his own heart. God just had the wonderful advantage of being omniscient and omnipresent. But now I come to you, Jesus said, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And I have given them your word, Jesus says to the Father. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Yes, this sounds very reminiscent of that model prayer in Matthew chapter 6 where it says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Same thing here. And he goes on and he says, These are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So verse 17, he says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Literally purify or consecrate them. Set them apart from the world and unto me. That's what sanctification is. To be set apart from something and set apart to something. And folks, we're in either one of those two camps. You're either set apart to the world or you're set apart to Christ. But we as Christians, oftentimes we like to have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. And you're going to be a miserable Christian if that's your experience. I would encourage you to make the step, to take the step, and get fully in. And forsake those things of the world. It doesn't mean that you have to quit your job and you have to you know, divorce your wife. And No, you have to live in the world, but the, you're not supposed to be of the world. <laughs> Think of how long it took God to get the Israelites out of Egypt. It took them just a couple of months to get them um, out of Egypt. Or actually one night, actually. But it took them 40 years to get the world out of them. And it still wasn't complete. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.